0: And so they were the first gamers, Uh, they were the main, they had a hedge fund investing in public game companies and they were buying so much gold from me that one day they just looked at each other like this gold business might be a better business than the game business. They started doing further investigation and they found out that all roads led to me. And so they tracked me down through a mutual friend somehow. And so I'm like, guys, we need to buy uh, Mt. Gox like this is, you know, the growth business for us. There's nobody that can promote Bitcoin better than us. We, we have all the people that buy virtual currency in the world, all the gamers that buy virtual currencies, like they will get this like immediately.
1: Hi, my name is Jason Rasnick, the CEO of Benzinga and welcome to The Raz Report. As always, before we kick things off, I want to quickly tell you about what Benzinga is. Before I started Benzinga in 2010, there were very few places to get real-time information on financial markets. I thought it was unfair that Wall Street had access to this information before the average Joe investor. So I created Benzinga to level the playing field for you, the retail investor. Benzinga is for the people and by the people. Now, let's dive into the show. All right. We got an exciting RAZ report this week. I've been waiting for this one. A crypt guy who built, uh, made a lot of money in crypto, probably a lot of money in a bunch of things. Brock Pierce coming on the RAZ report. Ran for president a few years ago. Um, just entrepreneur, get shit done. We did, This interview didn't start for a few minutes because we just keep talking about these connections, Monopoly Air. I mean, Monopoly Air. Can you just tell us what Monopoly Air is, or you don't want it to say it on, on the well, podcast?
0: It's uh, you can look it up. It's uh, on your social media. It started. I think you can even go to the website MonopolyAir.com. Uh, what it was is, um, I'm a waste not want not guy. I, I live my life focused on impact. But when I was running for president in 2020, you know, I'm having to go to all over the country, you know, and places where there's not direct flights and I'm traveling with a team. And so I dry leased uh, a plane from uh, uh, a prominent New York hotel family. And uh, uh, after the campaign, I, I gave them the plane back and they contacted me and said, hey, we, we actually don't need it. There's COVID, like we don't use our plane much anymore. Uh, would you like to buy the plane without a broker and, you know, get a good deal? I'm like, eh, do I really need a plane? Well, I'm starting to do all this stuff in South America, got involved, uh, led the first formal delegation uh, to El Salvador to assist President Bukele with his Bitcoin law. And then all these other presidents are calling. And I'm like, well, from from Puerto Rico, where I live, I, you know, I'm two hours away from Colombia, but there are no direct. Well, now there's a direct flight. But generally speaking, you know, OK, I can see why we might need a plane and traveling and team. So I bought the plane. And so I've got this plane and we go down. Uh, I actually bring Logan Paul, uh, you know, major, most people know who he is, one of the biggest social media influencers in the world. And he comes down to El Salvador for Bitcoin day. And so uh, we're throwing, uh, I bring the drones from Burning Man and we put Bitcoin in the heavens and like all this stuff. And we have this major event uh, down in El Salvador to celebrate. And we get back and then he contacts me and he's like, Brock, I'm working on my 99 Originals, which was his NFT project. He's like, can we do a collab with Alec Monopoly, You know, who's a big graffiti artist? And can we turn your, you know, Monopoly man, your plane and with crypto coins flying down the side and bills and things? And I'm like, well, it just so happens that I have my own FBO operation. I have my own fueling operation. I have my own maintenance operations. I have my own uh, paint. I, in Puerto I, Rico? Yeah, paints planes and, you know. Uh, uh, I'm uniquely suited to do it. Cause I actually, we have a company that paints airplanes. Um, so I'm like, let's do it. And so they helicopter in and we do this whole like collab and paint the plane and they put it on social media. And so the plane's been seen by probably a few hundred million people. It's at least a hundred million. I I'd have to go add up all the different things that are out there. And so, yeah, monopoly air is, uh, um, a Gulf Stream that's here in Puerto Rico that you can go look up. And the plan is. Uh, and you
1: can uh, see it in the right corner of your screen if you're watching right now. Okay, yeah. go ahead. The
0: plan is, uh, uh, and we haven't launched it, but to create an NFT with a boarding pass, right? And so that you have a boarding pass that allows you to get on the plane. It, gets, it, it can only be used once, and then you have to pass it along to someone else. And it's an interesting way to to get on the plane, to connect with me or any of the other interesting people that are flying on it, to go on delegations, to go meet with government. So uh, I took a role in the United Nations um, uh, as part of a permanent mission that covers Spain, Portugal, uh, the Dominican Republic and every country in Central and South America, and then created uh, uh, our own NGO, which is unicorn.org, the United Council of Rising Nations, which uh, helps world leaders understand how innovation is a tool for the transformation. Like you got know, it. all got the it. things that are, you know, like if you got a problem, there are incredible innovators, you know, whether it be Elon Musk, there's so many incredible pioneers in the world that are creating innovative solutions to solving the world's greatest challenges. And generally most of us that are, call it on the entrepreneurial creative end, generally don't speak government, right? Yep. And so they're, they're two different uh, languages. And so I'm a, you know, call it a translator. Um, and I, I basically connect uh, governments with leading technologies uh, that can try and solve major problems and because of my location I, I focused initially on the Caribbean and central and South America uh, 2024 is uh, so yes. focused on Africa now
1: weren't you just with the president of like Salvador uh, El Salvador or something with uh, the crypto thing where like I think I saw something on social media about that yeah so
0: we We led the first formal delegation into El Salvador since COVID. Uh, We took a team of 36 of us down to meet with all the ministers and present uh, all the different solutions. And most of the people on that trip are the ones that uh, uh, provided all the the technologies and things to roll out the Bitcoin law on time. It was very aggressive. They announced it at uh, David Bailey or Bitcoin uh, BTC Media, uh, the Bitcoin conference in Miami. And by the way, David Bailey lives here. Uh, He moved down here. So...
1: David when home. did he move down there?
0: Uh, David moved, I think, two years ago, two and a half, two three.
1: That's what I was. It was two and a half years. I looked at. October yeah, two thousand twenty one was what, obviously
0: okay. longtime friend, and you know, slowly, it just seems like more and more of uh, you know are, are the most influential people this side of the world, Americans in particular. Yep. Uh, uh, um, are moving down here, but it's really. You
1: know, uh, we're talking about Puerto Rico, guys. Uh, I mean, Dorado is one of the communities in Puerto Rico, but we're talking about Puerto Rico. There's a lot of tax advantages if you're in the crypto space. But I just for back to the plane. So I I saw the plane, the Monopoly airplane, because I David Einhorn, the guy who owns Poppy Steak, with uh, David Grutman. Um, and Alec Monopoly are always together. And I kept seeing this plane. I didn't know what, it, you know, I didn't know the story behind it. So now I know the story behind Monopoly Air. That That is, like, I don't know if everyone knows that story, but that's cool. The NFT selling you, like, that's awesome. And that's the kind of cool stuff that you meet Logan Paul and or connect with him and then come up with these ideas and putting that in place. I mean, it's, a, it's that's a, you know, it's like the Concord way back then, a unique experience. And it would be cool if the average person could, could take a ride on it.
0: Yeah, we're happy. Well, that's the whole idea. We'll see if I get around to it. It's not my highest priority yep. right now. But the idea is an NFT boarding pass that allows you to pass it along, basically refer somebody else that might be, you know, able to do something interesting. Uh, we're working on a few other planes: uh, Sovereign Sky, uh, Dark Knight. Uh, <laughs> basically. Uh,
1: okay. So my my, my, <laughs> my my first question was actually a weird one. Your name is Brock Jeffrey Pierce. Okay. Did you always go by Brock in the beginning? Because Brock Pierce is a badass name. Like, it's just, you're like, you should meet a superhero in a movie. Brock Pierce, Brock Pierce. Like, that's just a freaking badass name. So is that really your name?
0: Uh, Yes, it's uh, from my birth certificate.
1: It's (laughs) unbelievable. It's a great name. I, I,
0: I was born and I've always gone by Brock Pierce.
1: I mean, I mean, that's like you knew when you were in elementary school or middle school, you're going to be successful, not maybe because inside you were very smart. But your name like that's just like Brock Pierce, like it's just it's it's a great name. You probably have heard it's a great name. Maybe no one's, you know, gone out over the top like I am. But Brock Pierce is a badass name. Just if gotta say it up,
0: So Brock in Hebrew means lightning or blessing. But in old English, it means badger. So, you know, you know I, my pants are covered in lightning bolts. So usually um. I'm wearing lightning bolts. But also, you know, we like the honey badger. You know, uh, because I like to say a brock is just a rock, but bolder.
1: Brock <laughs> is just a rock. So in Hebrew it means wait. You said rock. say what? Lightning. It, a, lightning. Lightning. Interesting. Okay. All right. Hopefully there's no hopefully there's no brock here in Michigan today, right? No lightning.
0: Uh, I've, I've been watching. Uh, there's been lightning outside right before. Uh, um,
1: okay. Now, how did you end up in one of my favorite movies, Mighty Ducks?
0: Well, I'm originally from Minnesota, and like most kids from Minnesota, uh, we, don't you know, play hockey. And uh, got it. Yeah, we're the land of 10,000 lakes. And so yep. what we do is we freeze, uh, we ice fish and we skate. <laughs> and so I started acting at the age of three. And so my first memory in life takes place on a set making commercials. Actually, the first one was a commercial for um, a radio station, but a commercial for television, advertising the radio station KCRW and it was a, a commercial, don't let your babies grow up to be cowboys. And so that's uh, where life began for me. And then I was making Nintendo. So,
1: so your, your parents got you into it? My, my
0: mother did, yes.
1: Okay. And um. so, uh,
0: I was acting, and then I, I, I don't know what had happened, and I probably should go look it up. But sometime around when I was nine, uh, so the late 80s and beginning moving into the 90s, all of a sudden a bunch of major movies uh, came to film in Minnesota, my guess is There was probably a tax credit created. That's usually what all, everything's tax credits, right? And taxes, that's what moves everything. That's the lever that a government has to attract uh, economic development. And so most likely a tax credit was created because a bunch of movies got made. Uh, Mighty Ducks came to town. And so I was one of the only kids with acting experience that knew how to play hockey. And so uh, if I didn't book uh, uh, a role in that film, I would have been time to throw in the towel uh, but I did. And uh, and so I got to play young Emilio Estevez or Gordon Bombay. Uh, I open up the movie, the uh, famous uh, missing of the shot hitting the goalpost, and actually
1: the go back for it. Like Deke, Deke, Triple Deke, yeah. the Triple Deke. Wasn't right. that what
0: it was? In my period of the film as the kid.
1: You know, yeah, the, the I remember.
0: Team, right. Uh, you know, the flying V came later. But yeah. uh, the Triple but the tr-
1: triple dick was when they uh,
0: my character young gordon bombay but he wasn't yet a doc he was a hawk as a kid uh, and uh, it was actually that moment in his life that sets the premise of like the redemption story right uh he you know because yep. of that terrible experience
1: with the coach know,
0: he beca- with, with the coach that was you know being tough <laughs> way too tough perhaps uh led to him becoming you know uh, 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 a win at all cost attorney that, uh, you know, was just got a win, 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 win because of this childhood experience that he hadn't yet healed from. And so he became this killer attorney that, you know, was perhaps not understanding the importance of morals, right? And the importance yep. of, the, uh, of, of that moral compass. And his true north was off. And uh, that led to, you know, eventually a DUI. And then he gets sentenced to community service. Yep. And he's got to go basically teach the ducks. Yep. Were the worst team in in Minnesota on the you know, worst hockey team possible. They were like the complete motley crew. And uh, in that experience, you know, he he goes through his own redemption story, and the team was great, and comes in, and you know, the the Ducks end up beating the Hawks, and you know, it's a great movie. Uh, so definitely one. And still, they just remade a TV show called Game Changers. So uh, the Ducks and that redemption story. Is continuing to influence even the current generation.
1: So probably a dumb question since it was so long ago that movie. Do you guys get royalty checks for it? I do. Really?
0: Uh, uh, I do. I do. Uh, oh my uh, god! That it's like from thirty. They're not substantial, but uh, I I still receive uh, what you'd call residuals.
1: Wow. Okay. Um, anything from back in the day from your acting days that you know that you learned that you utilize now in your technology, business, entrepreneurial days right now?
0: Well, I get asked by parents all the time, like, should they let their kids get into acting? And my answer is usually, yeah. I mean, if that is, if it's what they want, I mean, acting is a wonderful um, thing to study. It's a great skill set. Um, and I said, the main thing they're gonna learn, especially if they can get an agent and can go on auditions, is they're gonna learn how to interview. Knowing how to interview, most people don't interview all that often in their life. They do it every so often. But becoming good at the interview is a valuable life skill, and they're going to get really good at rejection. Uh, <laughs> and learning how to be rejected and not take it personally is another very valuable life skill, um, especially if you want to become an entrepreneur, you know, uh, you know, you're going you, to make a lot of pitches, <laughs> you're going to do a lot of pitching and, and be turned down all the time. And so uh,
1: that's that's uh, amazing, John,
0: valuable life skills. And then I always warn them. But if they become successful, you might have a problem. Call me up. The odds of that are low. So don't worry so much about that. But, um, you know, uh, there's a lot of people that attempt to become obviously movie stars and very few do.
1: Yeah. I mean, the rejection thing that we just had on the John Paul or J.P. DeJoria who started uh, Patron and John Paul Mitchell hair systems. and He said his number one thing was going knocking on doors and he's been rejected all the time and not having. Removing the fear of rejection. That was his number one tip yeah. for success. And that sounds like you're saying a similar thing. It's a very helpful word. Well, it,
0: but, yeah, it's, you got to fear less and, like, you know, face your fears. You know?
1: I know. I, it's Actually, funny.
0: Yeah. Uh, one of the most common ones in life, right? You know, don't ask, it, don't get.
1: It, it's true, but it's like, I, I mean, I'm, I guess, an entrepreneur. I started this company in my basement and we're, like, over 100, you know, 100 people. But I get fearful of, like, con, like um, confrontation in the sense of, I have to make a phone call with someone and I'm trying to, dr- I dread the phone call because it might be a tough conversation and I keep putting it off and I procrastinate on the call and I make every excuse to do something else. Do you have any tips for handling that kind of stuff? Cause I feel like a lot of us probably deal with that kind of shit. Yeah. I mean,
0: I, I think we we all do that. Um, it's, it's, it starts with the awareness, right? Um, the fact that you're aware of the problem.
1: Is, so, you, so you do that too?
0: I, I mean, to some extent it's just, I'm so busy. Um, but uh, I mean, no, I, I I recommend just get it over with. Uh, a lot of times, the the fear of the conflict, the fear of the confession, right? Whatever it is, right? You maybe made a mistake, and instead of just like telling the person I screwed up, you're like, ah, oh, I feel terrible. I feel terrible, and then you feel terrible, and you feel terrible for a long time until you finally like come clean, and all of a sudden you're like, and the other the other side's like, oh, eh, whatever. And you're like. Why didn't I do that earlier? Um, And the same thing, or it's somebody that's harmed you or taken advantage or something, there's a problem and, you know, you don't want to, you don't want to bring up the conflict. And then as soon as you do, like you might've gotten resolution to it. Um, One of the things is, you know, the awareness of it is the first step. And then with the awareness of it, you know, taking action, being mindful, right. And then taking action and addressing things, uh, getting it over with is uh, generally a great relief.
1: No, you're absolutely right. Now there are so many way, like things I could ask you, and people when I ask people like, what kind of questions? Well, one of the ones that stuck out. You're in a lot of things these days, and we're gonna get to how you got into into cryptocurrency or blockchain in 2013. We're gonna get to that in a minute. But how do you manage? Like you can name some of the stuff your uh, investments you're in, but how do you manage your day? You're in, you're in a lot of things. You speak at a lot of places. Your time is in demand. You know, it wasn't an easy interview to get. So how do you go about managing your day? Is it, do you have goals that you set for the beginning of the week? Like, like and then my next question with that is how are you still so motivated to uh, keep doing? Cause you're not doing it for money anymore. And maybe you are to keep score, but beyond that, I think you have enough money to live a few lives.
0: Yeah. I mean, there's a couple questions. I do so much that, uh, you know, part of it is I've made commitments. I've committed to do certain things. I've started certain businesses. I might have co-investors, partners, whatever, in, in various things. And so what motivates me is to, to fulfill my commitments, uh, to complete my work, uh, whatever that is. And so I'm, let's say, very committed uh, uh, to the things that I do. I try to be discerning in choosing those things, right? I don't just do things because I can. I do things because I should, because I've asked myself, why am I doing this? What is the, the thing? Sometimes I'm doing things because I want to learn a new skill. I want to study a new industry, uh, or I think something's gonna have a, a certain positive impact. So uh, how I, I'm so committed to so many things, I, I wake up usually before sunrise, and I'm usually the last person to bed. And I barely sleep. (laughs) And uh, um,
1: are you working this whole time that you're up or do you do a lot of like search, you know, Instagram browsing and a lot of that shit or not really?
0: Uh, There's not a whole lot of that because there's just not a whole lot of time. I'm usually, you know, we say 18 hours is a half day.
1: And you're just motivated to keep going and doing that and you love it. It's not like it's not work to you, really. You love what you're doing. I take it.
0: I, I just I love to do. I love working. I love, it's all play to me. Right. It's uh, I love learning. I, I, I'm a very curious person and I enjoy the, the journey of learning and, you know, I've, I do, all, I'm, I do all sorts of stuff. I mean, I'm in, I kind of, it, it'd be easier to say what I don't do and I can't think of what those. So
1: are. When you were in elementary school or middle school would, uh, how, like what kind of student were you? Were you hyperactive or anything like that?
0: So again, I grew up making movies. And so by the time I was uh, 12, I'd already done, I'd already made four movies in Minnesota. Disney brought me out to California to shoot Mighty Ducks 2. And then I just turned 13 moved out to California to pursue really a full-time acting career, uh, which then continued to uh, turn into a successful uh, one. And so my childhood is not
1: typical, right?
0: I, I grew up on yep. sets making movies. Um, and when I wasn't on a set making a film, you know, I, I tried to go to uh, a normal school, but it just, it didn't really work. And so I had to move into a, a school that's really just dedicated for, dedicated to working actors. Uh, because it just, you, you need something that accommodates the, uh, uh, the unusual, you know, not typical lifestyle.
1: The reason I asked the question the way I did is because you're in so many things. You're so driven. You get things done, and you've been so successful. Part of my thing was like, you, when you were younger, did you have all these different interests? But you yes, had I
0: was building lemonade stand businesses. I was an incredibly entrepreneurial kid.
1: That's okay. Yeah. Whether that...
0: it be collecting Star Trek, um, you know, uh, basically collectibles that had low numbers and. Sports cards and Magic the Gathering cards and
1: oh, software yeah. so, and
0: so I mean, everything uh, uh, under the sun that you know, a kid would figure out and, and building those things. And then I, I even quit acting when I was 16 to become an internet entrepreneur. I think I was the youngest uh, internet entrepreneur in the 1990s during the Internet 1.0. So I quit acting to start what was one of or the first call it streaming video, streaming media companies. It Which was, one? Cursor. It was called Digital Entertainment Network, or DEN. Uh, we raised $88 million from Microsoft, Lazard, Chase, uh, NBC, Mike, uh, David Geffen, Terry Semel, Mark Nathanson, you know, kind of the who's who. And uh, we were doing, we had 30 original programs. Uh, so we were the first company doing like per- internet programming media.
1: You started this?
0: Yeah, when I was 16.
1: And you, like, knew Terry Semmel and uh, these guys? Like, I mean, Terry Semmel is a Yahoo CEO for a period of time, and before that.
0: We taught him tech. He was, at the time, the chairman and CEO of Warner Brothers. And so uh, he was going to become chairman of my company. And so we were, you know, he was the one, like, we were the ones that kind of introduced him to the impact of the Internet. um, And why, you know, where the Internet media would meet.
1: What would you do after Den?
0: Uh, when the internet bubble burst in the spring of 2000, I also started another business on the side because um, I believed that virtual currency and digital assets were going to be a big thing. I figured this out in 1999, and so when the internet bubble burst in the spring of 2000, I decided to go pursue the metaverse. Uh, we called them MMORPGs or massively multiplayer games, role-playing games at the time. You may have heard of World of Warcraft or Second Life. And so I went and became the primary market maker for all of the metaverses or virtual worlds, whether it's all those things. And so I was managing the I was the market maker across thousands of affected virtual countries. I was PayPal's largest merchant. Uh, I was instrumental in launching Alipay in China. I had 97% market share in South Korea. With-
1: Wait, how do you, you I, I, it's amazing. You decide to be the market maker for that stuff. How do you become the market maker for it though? Like how, like I get like, you know, Spears, Leeds, Kellogg, market maker for stocks back in the day. Like how do you become the market maker for World of Warcraft? I mean, or the so main I, one.
0: The, the first thing is the insight. The insight I had is that just because something was intangible didn't make it less valuable. And it's because of Magic the Gathering and baseball cards I was playing a game called Sanctum, which was uh, uh, a game made in 97 or 98 by Digital Addiction. And it was basically Magic the Gathering Online meets chess. And so I became uh, one of the biggest collectors of those cards. And then I was buying and selling and trading. And then I contacted the game company and said, hey, just like comic book stores and baseball card shops, I'd like to be a wholesaler. I'd like to buy virtual packs of cards from you in bulk. And I run the singles store. I'm the I'm, I run the singles market, and they're like that makes sense, you know, digital analog. And so I figured that out in the '90s, and then after uh, the bubble burst, I said, okay, I'm a professional gamer. I was, I think, the only person that I've ever heard of that would six box, where I would use six computers, six monitors, six keyboards, six mice, and I would play an entire rating group myself, uh, just my hands going for hours on end. Uh, playing six computers simultaneously, not with any bots. This is before botting uh, had been uh, incorporated. I was like a pro gamer. Uh, And so uh, I'm like, wow, I can do things and make many thousands of dollars a day playing a video game. I wonder if I can teach people how to play games professionally to make money in the metaverse, uh, in the MMORPGs, in the virtual world. And so the first thing I did was, okay, I'm going to go online and I'm going to start selling digital gold and and I'm going to have my own mining operation, but, you know, using people in the game. And, uh, and then I would teach people how to play one computer. And then I'd teach people how to play two computers. And the really good ones I could teach eventually how to play three computers. And I had about, uh, you know, uh, I had a whole big office of this going on. And I'm like, wow, the demand uh, for this is going to require thousands of people, maybe tens of thousands I, uh, this is not going to be the model. Uh, I just need to become the market maker and run the front end and the exchanges. So I need to be run all the exchanges and I need to run all the websites to handle all the sales and distribution. And instead I just need to teach the world how they can make money online. And then I moved to Hong Kong and then I I went and taught the Chinese how they could uh, play games to make money and built up a supply chain of about three or 400,000 people ultimately that would play games to, to mine gold. Um, and, uh, and then I would be the main person selling that in the world. I was doing over a billion dollars a year. And, uh, kind of,
1: look, well, like, when you're doing over a billion dollars a year, that's like in gross, the like people trading yeah, and you're that for my sales. Yeah.
0: Over and $1 then you in sales. And
1: then you would take a cut of that.
0: Yeah. Depending upon which market. So in like South Korea, I was doing over a billion a year, just in South Korea. Um, I had 97% market share. That was an exchange model. So my margins were, uh, different. You know in the us for example i had a uh it was a retail market not an exchange market and in europe i kept it more as a retail market and so with retail i uh i took retail like margins once they were exchanges uh i would take and I, I i owned all i owned most of the top companies doing it i had many brands and then i also ran the exchanges i was like Did if you, you raise a Went, if you went behind every company kind of at the time, I was all of them for the
1: most part. Did you raise a bunch of money for this?
0: So no, because the internet was dead after the spring of 2000. And so I bootstrapped it to 100 million uh, plus of revenues, not sales, and about uh, I think 20 million of EBITDA uh, before I uh, did my first fundraise. Uh, and I raised my money from Goldman Sachs Principal Strategies, which was the black box of Goldman that was responsible for 40% of their profits prior to the uh, financial collapse of 2008. So this was the prop desk.
1: Yep. It was the
0: first private investment they ever made. They took a look. They're like, you're managing markets of, like, currencies across thousands of virtual countries, like all over the world, and your whole I don't even know how you... Inside of the virtual world, like, they were just kind of like, who are you?
1: Are you a software builder, too?
0: I mean, I... I I, I don't write the code, but uh, obviously I've um
1: somehow I've had, you bu- somehow you built all that and you had to hire some people to build all that. I mean that's a pretty intensive operation.
0: And 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 you'll find this one interesting, and I'm sorry to some and you're welcome to others. Uh Steve Bannon worked full time for me back then. Uh he wow. was my, my 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 deal guy. Um uh
1: so why didn't he why didn't he help run your pres your presidential campaign?
0: Uh he, he was with Trump. Okay, okay, okay. <laughs> Uh, um, uh, and so, uh, but I, I, I do Bannon, uh, uh, Bannon worked, uh, at that company for, for seven years.
1: Did you sell that company?
0: Uh, yeah, sold it in different pieces. So, uh, I built up another company called zam, zam.com, which was a top 100 media business for games. So it was a top 100 website in the world in terms of traffic. Zam? Um, Zam, it was lots of websites. If you played World of Warcraft, it was Wowhead. It was ThoughtBot. Uh, if you played EverQuest, it was Alakazam. So all of, if you played the, in these worlds, I also ran all the websites where you'd get all the information on all the items and all the quests and all the spoilers and all the maps and tracked your character. And so I, I did about 40 acquisitions uh, to roll all that up. And then I sold that to Tencent. So Tencent, one of the biggest companies yep. in the world, uh, one of the biggest internet companies, Chinese companies, uh, bought Tencent from me.
1: What year was that?
0: I sold that to them. I think in two thousand eleven, maybe two thousand twelve. Okay. Then the exchange business uh, I sold to a public company because uh, uh, I, I was trying to use the company to acquire Mount Gox in uh, two thousand. Uh, I want to say twelve, Is- and so I was trying to to buy Mount Gox with my company because I had all the gamers right? I had all the Chinese gamers. I had all the Koreans. I had all the, everyone that bought and sold bought or sold virtual currency and games were basically my customers across these businesses. And I said, we have capped out at market growth. Um, there's no more growth and multiples. You know, our business is, is not going up in value. It's going down in value because we're looking stale. You know, either I need to go control the, the secondary market for frequent flyers and, uh, Points and I need to go do that with American Express. But I need to expand into another market. And the other market I need to do is I need to go get into Bitcoin and cryptocurrency. But my investors were Goldman Sachs, Oak Investment Partners, and Maverick, uh, three of the um, you know three very large institutions. Another smaller firm called Bonanza, and then I had some private investors, Barton Brad Stevens, uh, that, whose father started Robbie Stevens, one of the four banks that took all of the Microsoft's public. You know, robbie all-
1: stevens robbie stevens robertson stevens that was the full name i yes, yeah. i interviewed when i was 20 years old from, from so in undergraduate school
0: paul stevens has two sons bart and brad and so they were the first gamers uh, they were the main they had a hedge fund investing in public game companies and they were buying so much gold from me that one day they just looked at each other they're like this gold business might be a better business than the game business we 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 And they had a Eureka aha moment. And so they started doing a research study. This is in 2003 or 2004. And they went and looked up all the companies, you know, and figured out all the companies that do this. And then they went and did, they started doing further investigation. And they found out that all roads led to me. They're like, wow, before anybody even knows this is an industry, this guy rolled up the whole world. Um, We we need to find this Brock guy. And so they tracked me down through a mutual friend somehow. They flew to my offices. and, uh, And so they're on the board of the old company. And so I'm like, guys, we need to buy, uh, Mount Gox. Like this is, you know, the growth business for us. And we control all the customers. I mean, there's nobody that can promote Bitcoin better than us. We, we have all the people that buy virtual currency in the world, all the gamers that buy virtual currencies, like they will get this like immediately. So like Jesse Powell that started Kraken was, ran a competitor, Loot, L-E-W-T, Roger Ver, all the, a lot of us came from that business, but I was the the really big one. (laughs) Um, and so, um, Uh, I said, like, this is the, I think the move for us. Um, And we went and did due diligence. Uh, We even had a deal figured out, uh, but I couldn't get my board uh, to approve it because it was Bitcoin and Goldman Sachs was on my board. Right? (laughs) Um, And and, and even, and so Oak Investment Partners, I mean, everybody eventually got into it, but I, I kept going to the board saying, guys, we need to do this. Then I gave them all my research reports and I told them why I believed that this market was gonna go somewhere. And then I came back to the board and said, okay, guys, do I have approval to go do this? Um, and, uh, you know, they said no. And we, it was just kind of an, an unpleasant call. And I called up Bart and Brad Stevens afterwards. This is how blockchain capital got started. I said, Bart, Brad, I don't mind that you don't agree with me uh, on Bitcoin. But what bothers me is you didn't bother to read any of the research materials I sent you. You had three months to form an opinion. And the fact that, you know, you guys are my friends, you know, and you're young enough, you get it. You're in the market. Like if anyone was going to understand this, it was you. And you didn't bother to even look into it at all. I spent a lot of time. I've been flying to Japan, having these conversations, trying to do this stuff. And Matt Smith and everybody who've worked a lot on this and you just dismissed it without any time or attention. Like, this really bothers me because I think this is very important to the business. And so what they were so bothered by my my conversation that they then went and did a research project on Bitcoin, which is how blockchain capital got started. They're like, Brock, okay, you're right. And then I went and tried. I said the board gave me permission to go buy Mt. Docs independently of the company. Um, But because I couldn't use my old business to pivot into crypto, I just sold it all off. And so
1: So I sold all the pieces. Is this where um, uh, uh, another guest we had on the Raz Report, Tim Draper? I thought he bought some Bitcoin from the Mountain Gox, like Hack. Like, is that where you got introduced, uh, Tim Draper?
0: No, no, I've been at. Tech entrepreneur and VC. for
1: for year for year years so then, I'm, I'm probably
0: the oldest young guy I mean remember I'm a 1997 tech entrepreneur like that raised serious money and like I'm not a I've been doing this long before there was Bitcoin
1: that's right okay got it <laughs> uh, I've,
0: I've started so many companies I mean I I've, I've done tons of things prior to Bitcoin this is not my first rodeo
1: got it so you already had those connections so that so this is when block so you, when you yeah,
0: before before crypto i mean i i mean I, I had uh you know major investors many times over yeah um also uh uh you know i'd had exits uh you know all sorts of things and i was also a, a managing uh director at a firm called clearstone and so clearstone was called idea lab capital idea lab was the first internet- bill gross yeah
1: Bill so, Gross Idea and, Lab. That's where I wanted to work at, um, in college. I, he had everything. Go to. He had the, the thing before. The internet
0: business models. I, yes. I, I love that. I love that I'm that I'm talking to someone that actually knows the history.
1: I am so glad, so, glad you kn- you here. I have the cover of Bill Gross on the yellow Wired magazine. My wife just I, she just tried to throw it away again. The magazine where Bill Gross is on the cover with all these ideas, and I have the cover of that magazine at my house, but my wife may throw it away. Was,
0: he was the first internet incubator. And out of his head, probably came, came half the ideas, you know, uh, uh, that are the business models of the internet. And so Idealab, when it was going public, had Idealab Capital, which was the, the fund uh, that co- uh, uh, cohabitated to, to seed all the deals. And so when Idealab was going public, they changed the name of Idealab Capital to Clearstone. And uh, because of my acting background and things, I was in LA, you know, Silicon Beach, you know, entrepreneur and angel investor and things. And so uh, I went and became, uh, uh, I started working at Clearstone uh, on a new fund to go do a bunch of stuff with them. And uh, they were the, they put the first $5 million into PayPal. Uh, they were the main investor in PayPal and tons and tons and tons of stuff. It came out of uh, Idealab. And so- uh, you,
1: you were one of the managing directors of Clearstone.
0: Uh, of a new fund that was being done there, which uh, uh, the, the main people there were Bill Elkis, uh, uh, from the idea lab days, Jim Armstrong, who was one of the, you know, he, he's the one that led the PayPal investment and, and William Quigley. And so I brought William Quigley along with me, uh, who also was co-founder of tether with me and, uh, did a bunch of things. Uh, and then John Yantis, I also brought along cause uh, well, John and I, I wouldn't say I didn't bring John along. John and I went and did this together, but John was my main competitor in the virtual currency business from 2002, three and four and we merged our companies way back when and so John and, and I I brought everybody everybody I worked with him, you know eventually got into crypto it's like so, it's, it's just futile
1: so you uh, were it you will be
0: starting companies you will be investing in companies and I mean we built I was creating a new crypto company every 45 to 60
1: days so you you didn't just get into crypto in 2013 like that's you were it seems like you were in crypto before that but I, like you bu- you bought bitcoin what was the price you started buying Bitcoin at? I'm just trying to give like some people like the, you don't have to go into details. Like I'm trying to give that basic listener.
0: So if if you were early in crypto, you most likely didn't buy Bitcoin. Interesting. Uh, You most likely mined it. Uh, In the early days, uh, there were not a lot of ways to buy Bitcoin. Uh, Like if you wanted to um, buy a million dollars worth of Bitcoin, uh, that was not exactly an easy thing to do. Uh, you know, you could go to Mount Gox uh, and wire money to Japan, and you know, I mean, there were a couple of ways, but it was not an easy, an easy thing to do. So most uh, early, um, if you were trying to do something material, uh, you know, Coinbase was only started in 2012. You know, really was a 2013 company. Uh, so you 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 basically most early adopters would have mined because it started starts usually as a research project, right? Right. And then take take like the mining stuff. When the first ASIC was created, uh it was Avalon uh that uh created the first ASIC uh miner. I I had 10% of the batch one Avalons. So I had 10% of all the world's ASICs in the beginning. What's that mean? Uh I had the that most advanced mining operation uh when the first ASICs were uh, uh engaged and then and then I ran KNC Miner, which was one of the other uh China and I, I introduced a lot of these things to the Chinese. Um
1: but but to give like like Tim Draper the story is he bought whatever the Bitcoin from the Mt. Gox bankrupt or something and like yes. for a lot for I forget what I price it was, but I was
0: Tim Draper's um son, Adam Draper uh, had a a, a business a, a, called boost boost.vc and boost kind of got into it first and uh i would you know i believe that his son is probably the main reason that he you know was brought up to to speed and got excited and then yes he bought a a, a big block of bitcoin from the um auctions uh uh, and it wasn't from the failure of Mount Gox. He bought Silk Road uh, uh, government auctioned coins.
1: Got it. And so the, re- the reason I bring that up, like you were, you're talking about that miner you had. You had 10 percent of it, and like, and some of the early well, ones. You were
0: operating those.
1: You were operating them. But what's it that was mean? The largest
0: mining operation in the U.S. up in Wenatchee. I was an inv- angel investor with in Fury uh i ran uh started knc minor china i was distributing you know the miners we won we won uh uh shopify uh the store of the year award with another one we started called zoom hash uh we were selling all the grid seeds and so mark cuban ariana huffington damon john uh, uh, damon, uh, damon john and um tim ferris i think all became advisors of the company because we went from zero to like 20 million in sales in no time
1: so, so you were so early in this stuff what I was, what, part of what I was just trying to um, demonstrate is how early you were. And you probably have examples. Like, you know, people say they bought Bitcoin at $76 or whatever, and they own it to this. Bitcoin's not the, you know, the example here. But you were a miner. You were, like, the marketplace. Like, what's an example? Like, there's something that you were so early, like, and the value's gone up so much. I'm, I'm trying to demonstrate, like, you, you know, your foresight, your prescient calls and making these picks for, for the, someone that doesn't know crypto is what I'm trying to you know? Yeah, I,
0: I I don't think of myself as a crypto investor. Um, you know, I was I I had an operation similar to Idealab. I was cranking out the company. So I was chairman of MasterCoin, right, which was the first ICO. The first ICO. Okay. Uh, I started blockchain capital, the first venture fund. Yep. Uh, I started Tether, the first, you know, the, the main successful stablecoin. Uh, uh, Bcap, the first uh, digital security token. Uh, Noble Markets, the first crypto bank. Uh, the first two NFT platforms were created in my house uh, uh, Wax and Block V or Atomic. Um, uh, I mean, there's, uh, there's a hundred others who did the first smart contract, I think, that was successful. Um, you know, a lot of the ideas came out of my living room, most uh, uh, probably a majority of the uh, innovations. Uh,
1: wow. And- and I know one of the reasons we were having you on is talking about the Bitcoin ETFs or that the ETFs now, what do you think about that? I know Kathy Wood has been a big proponent of getting these as ETFs. And I mean, I one. think it's,
0: I think it's a huge thing. Um, you know, right. Everyone's like, Oh, why is the price of Bitcoin not, you know, mooning or rocketing right now? It did it. The price soared, right? Buy on the, uh, 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 news live, the rumor, rumor, and sell on the, 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 the results, right? So yep. it, it, it soared, and it got priced in, and then it went live, and it dropped, uh, and that's kind of standard, so no one should be surprised by that. Same I old- made
1: that trade, by the way. I bought in the rumors and then once it was was getting approved, I was, I was selling off my shares of like GB, you know, just different, uh, symbols as a, as a trade, like I, I, a little bit, nothing crazy. I was just messing around Uh, that. Yeah. Same old as any stock market. Right.
0: But the price is way up from where it was prior to this
1: substantially. And
0: so uh, the ETF has clearly moved the market in a positive way. Um, and I think the other thing that matters even more, is that the SEC has approved these things in the market. We've been waiting for US regulatory sort of clarity. You know, a lot of people are like, oh, whatever. I government." I think that this is, that argument I think was long over, but this is the, the nail in the coffin of anybody thinking this might go away, right? This is, this is the Agreed. definitive event, you know, some people thought that uh, Tim Draper being able to buy those uh, uh, coins from uh, the government was a, you know, an effective, you know, um, approval of some sort. I don't think so. This obviously is. This is kind of the first major event where the U.S. government, the SEC, has approved a Bitcoin ETF so that the retail are able to buy Bitcoin. I, I think this is a game changing event that clearly says that because uh, uh, it has been a major concern. I'm a, I'm a U.S. citizen. I ran for president. Uh, I've been, it's, and remember the, the first filing, the first application for a Bitcoin ETF was 10 years ago. Mm. That mm. The, the American population, the public, were deprived of $76 Bitcoin, your $200 Bitcoin. Had an ETF been created, you know, this incredible opportunity in this enormous wealth creation event, the American retail were deprived of it because it was held back. It is what it is. But it bothers me, right? Uh, uh, And so better late than never. I think it's great because for anybody listening, right? uh, Did you lose your first Bitcoin? (laughs) Uh, A lot of people did have a problem with their first, you know, because it's certainly if you've been around for a while. The idea that as you know, if you want to get exposure to this, that you can do it through uh, uh, a structured product like an ETF is a good starting way. That's a good way for beginners to be able to get access to this asset class, you know, begin to research, then that will probably lead to getting a wallet, probably on a a, a centralized exchange and a retail friendly one like a Coinbase, which then eventually leads to but you want people to learn, right? It is a breaking but, world.
1: But but you you you're real like Coinbase is around, but you 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 know Voyager and uh Binance and what was the other one uh that went bankrupt. Uh I don't know, it was a smaller one um i been a, i was what'd you say there's been many many i was the chair of the credit committee for voyager i had money in in stablecoin usdc and i actually had the circle ceo on the show and i asked the question um how can you know these different brokerages like voyager and pay nine percent on usdc when rates were zero percent and um and by the way i'm not honored that i was the chair of the credit committee that means i had a lot of money there but anyway I said, you know, how can they pay this? And he said, because we're disrupting the banks because, you know, banks take your money and they lend out for mortgages, for credit cards, all that stuff. But really what, I mean, that could be partly true, but each brokerage was different in the sense that they leveraged up with taking the money and then giving it to the guys, you know, that uh, hedge fund, uh, 3AC. And so like the USDC is one-to-one stable coin, but you didn't know how that money at the brokerage was being treated. And it also wasn't SIPC. So a lot of people, Including myself, were confused by that. I didn't think it was risk capital, but it was risk capital. Do you know what I mean?
0: Yeah, there was a counterparty risk there. There were a bunch of issues. So Bank Core, uh, I was, uh, you know, part of that project as well, which created DeFi, right? Uh, invented uh, uh, the first DeFi platform.
1: Was that so? You're so you're responsible for this whole USDC no, thing? No, <laughs> uh, uh,
0: I give the credit to the Bank Core. Team a okay. uh who I work with, still on another project. Got it, got it. Galia yeah. Benartzi, they're okay. amazing, amazing Israeli team, and uh, uh, I was just a, a, a very important advisor to them. Okay, okay. Um, but yeah, part of the deal, <laughs> and investor amongst other things. But um, uh, when I saw the the second sort of wave of DeFi come in, I I was very alarmed by the yields that were being offered. Uh, I was very, uh, alarmed by Terra Luna and what, you know, again, I was just watching the, these yields and it did not seem at all sustainable to me.
1: It seemed yeah, that was like all. 20%. And I, I was in USDC. I'm like, oh, that's 9% at Voyager. I'm safe. My brother smartly is like, you know, too good I, to be I, true. I, so I'd I, I literally to had, it. had,
0: so these young, I had, I had these young entrepreneurs at my house, uh, around this time, they're like, Brock, I mean, you were the king of like each of these cycles, like you were, it's like your room is where the, the action was, you know, are you like, are you just like, have you lost it? You know, uh, you know, cause what's your DeFi play, you know, what, 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 what's, what's your big moves in this market cycle? I go, I'm S i am sat this one out, my intuition, uh, I, I watched this one, there's a couple of markets. I sat out, I got out of the crypto mining market when cloud mining emerged. Cause the minute cloud mining emerged where you could go online and you just bought a share of mining. I'm like, there's just too many ways that something could go wrong. Okay. Too many ways that people can create a Ponzi and cook the books and like, you know, something yep. I just cloud mining made me, and we saw that with Miner and a bunch of, you know, we watched if you were around for that market cycle and the DeFi yields, uh, just really bothered me i'm watching celsius and block and you know why
1: didn't i know you back then? block was the one i was thinking about yeah
0: and i'm watching all these these things you know it's just like and then but b- i have all these young like superstars and they're just like have you lost it you're not the man anymore and i'm like i'm sitting there going did i make a mistake sitting out I, it, it 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 bothered me for all the second um i mean and then and then i'm like it's a little late for that so and then by the way a week later is when everything started to blow up and i'm like glad i glad my intuition was right on this one and uh i made the right call of of staying out of uh that market cycle
1: it's just funny how clueless a lot of people were including myself when terra luna was you know gunzo and i didn't know it affected 3ac which then affected voyager and all, all that stuff and i just thought you know hey it's one to one whatever that meant from circles perspective
0: you know the, you remember the original internet this was basically the same thing that happened with the internet in 1999 2000 all these internet companies were buying advertising from each other and basically there was this massive counterparty risk cuz everybody's numbers were inflated cuz now, that was a round tripping of advertising revenue effectively the same thing kind of happened in crypto and you couldn't see all the counterparty risk and how you know you pulled on one string and you know uh sure. it, everything started to fall like dominoes uh and a lot of smart people missed it uh it, it don't i I wouldn't beat yourself
1: up I did the, yeah I did that already but we've been with you for we were with Brock Pierce, uh entrepreneur extraordinaire. I had no clue that you were involved with Idea Lab from starting these companies. I, kind of I was not but involved was not with the
0: Idea Lab and I was I was part of Clearstone
1: Clearstone
0: it's it's, it's, it's the, the firm, yes, much later in its life, I was not there during the glory years. I was
1: okay. You're I was not
0: there. Of, I worked at Clearstone on a, a new fund for a while. Uh it's starting in two thousand like I think I want to say like 8 or 9 or 10. The, is what the, but with those but
1: guys. the but the truth is all your life you've been in the room where it happens, okay? That's all your life. I mean, I heard you, D- digital entertainment network den like uh creating the the exchanges behind, you know, my, you know, the the games, World of Warcraft way back when all these different things. I mean, so you were there before so I just a couple last quick questions that I think um could be helpful to people. Um first one is how do you stay um, updated on the latest developments in blockchain and cryptocurrency? I know you have your network, but is there another way that you stay updated on that and stuff? In I mean, blockchain? how? Yeah. I mean... Uh, uh, just read a lot? I,
0: I, no, I've, <laughs> I'm an investor and uh, you know, everything. I work on a lot of things and still got new companies coming out and uh, uh, I, I've spread out into a lot of other industries. Uh, uh, so, I mean, I'm not as focused as I was, um, like I, I was full time, uh, crypto from 2012 to, uh, 2019, 2018.
1: And you made a lot of money doing that.
0: I, um, then I got very focused on Puerto Rico and. Things here, and then I got very focused on governance and our government and uh, uh, and elections, and then I've gotten very you know, focused on uh, other governments and you know governance, right? Our system of governance, that thing that governs over us.
1: Uh, no, and I I'd appreciate
0: for us, you know, in certain- <laughs> for us.
1: Well, I appreciate that, and I wish there were more people like you because you see who's running for president these days, and I people. <laughs> It seems like you want to do the right thing and care about others. And that attitude is like government isn't there for us, I feel like these days. But yeah,
0: but you know. it's, it's it's you know, I, I keep studying. Why is that? and Why do I feel that way? Why do we feel that way? What's what's ultimately wrong? And I enjoy the process of like going deep into discovery. And I do that by getting involved. I mean, I ran for president of the United States as a reconnaissance mission. I announced on July 4th of election year. I spent, I think, $7 million to, 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 to go learn, you know, uh, all the ways in which the system is rigged.
1: Wow. Okay.
0: And I've gone on and done a lot of things in politics. since. Uh, I'm very involved um, uh, in, in the things that are going on because what I learned is if not us, who, and if not now, when. And I was walking around Washington, D.C. one night just going, wow. If something's broken or if you don't like something the way that it is, do something about it, fix it, be the solution.
1: is that so hard you though? I don't
0: like people that complain. It's like, you know, <laughs> less complaining, more explaining and like get your, roll your sleeves up and do something. Right. And, and that's how I operate. And so, um, uh, I just became aware that I think that there's an opportunity to improve um, things, and so I've made it my mission to to get involved in, and improve things because I think they can be improved. I think that there's sure. tremendous potential for uh, improvement.
1: If I, could, if I could help on that mission or things, let me know from a media perspective. Can you share a piece of advice that has had a significant impact on your career?
0: Um, advice?
1: You've given a lot already. so yeah, feel, I, mean, feel f-
0: I think the main advice um, – you know, that, you know, as I think tenacity is, is, is really the key, you know, probably is, you know, you only fail when you quit.
1: Got it. Now that doesn't
0: mean something should be quit, right? You should quit some things, right? There you have, you have to use discernment and, and realize the juice isn't worth the squeeze or your, your original view as to your thesis as to why something might be it, new information has changed your outlook and view. But in general, uh, you know, you're, you're going to, in whatever you're doing, you're going to encounter obstacles. And uh, you'll usually mm-hmm. overcome them if you are uh, tenacious enough uh, to push through. And, uh, and it's going to usually make you want to quit. Uh, and then... Don't. If you believe in what you're doing, if you believe that this is, you know, what you want to be doing and if you believe it's important uh, or you, whatever it is that's motivating you, um, I think that tenacity is probably the main uh, uh, trait that I find between those that are successful and not. I think that curiosity, you know, uh, is another really important one. Just, you know, never stop learning.
1: Okay. No, that that was awesome. Guys, that's a clip right there for sure. That was awesome. One more question. um, Cryptocurrencies, will they play a big part in the future of finance? I'm assuming you're saying yes, but just want to hear. Yeah, Yeah. I mean, of
0: course. I think that, um, I mean, I wouldn't have done all the things I've I've done if I didn't believe uh, that this is a fundamental game-changing sort of event. Uh, It's changing the world in which we live. I mean, just look at Tether. Tether is one example uh, of a project we we started. That Crazy.
1: Uh, uh, can't believe you started that
0: is doing fifty trillion dollars a year in Unbelievable. volume. Fifty trillion, with a T. Um, like my yeah. hat. <laughs> um, and it's changing trade finance. So right now, it's not just you know people using USDT to 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 go in and out and hedge or whatever it might be, efficiently move money from one you know, place to another. They're using it for global trade and settlement because banks don't settle 24 hours a day, 365 days a year. And so I, it's not a good estimate, but I suspect that probably now 10 trillion a year, maybe of those transactions are perhaps, you know, it's certainly over a trillion now is, is related to trade. You know, it's 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 changing fundamental markets. You know, Bitcoin is um, you know created in an alternative asset class. Uh, you know, call it a digital gold that is creating greater accountability in our monetary policy. Right? It's 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 causing everyone to have to be more responsible. You we haven't fully seen all of that play out, but I think greater accountability and. Uh, uh, people being more responsible, I think, is ultimately going to serve us well. And and Bitcoin, in in some ways, is providing that function in the same way that gold has, uh, you know, historically. Um, Okay.
1: No, that's that's awesome.
0: stocks and bonds. I mean, it's everything. NFTs, just the idea that you have a digital certificate of authenticity, clear chain of title custody. I mean, it's fundamentally going to change, you know, a lot of things, most things. I mean, AI right now is going to do more in the short term because it's happening faster. Remember, a lot of the the, uh, the things that call it blockchain technology or crypto is affecting uh, requires adoption, and there's a lot of resistance from incumbents. We're getting past that point now. And then there's also the retail component of adoption that's taking a while. AI doesn't require adoption to eat your lunch. AI is whoever uses it first and incorporates it fastest is the beneficiary of it. So, uh, a- AI is um, changing the landscape, um, you know, right now in real time. Whether you, how, whether how you paid or not, it's happening.
1: How did it all su- all of a sudden appear? AI, like all of a sudden, like in the last two years, is it ChatGPT that made it like so people talk about AI stop yeah, Or
0: they brought it to the to the to the end user. AI okay. and machine learning and these things have been around, obviously, at the at the big tech companies. Okay, um, got it. And, and so it's been, you know, going back to machine learning now to AI, it's been the thing for uh, a while, but ChatGPT is kind of, it It just, was they call it, the revealing, uh, the unveiling of, you know, what this can do and putting it in the hands of people. And if you haven't played with it, I mean, I would advise you to drop what you're doing tonight and, uh, <laughs> Go play with this thing. It's it's kind. Of, it's it's more important than in 1997, someone or 96 telling you about the the importance of email. Uh, what it's doing is it, it any, but just having using ChatGPT effectively makes you a superhuman. It gives you superhuman capability. You know, and you'll you'll have it within hours.
1: I mean, it lets you send emails that are can sh- be short about. You know, I mean, it's. God, if I had it when I was in college, holy shit. Yeah, no, it,
0: it, it makes you superhuman like overnight. So if you, yeah. haven't, if you haven't played with it, I mean, uh, yeah. go, go, go no. develop your superpowers tonight, chat GPT.
1: <laughs> how to, that's another clip. But, yeah, no, how to cr- develop your superpower because I, I, I'm glad you reminded me because I haven't opened it in a long time, and I, I should. Wait, you just made me think of one last – oh, God, it was a great. How many unread text messages do you have? That's a question we ask everyone. You have a lot.
0: Um, if you send me a message, it basically says, "I'm sorry, I don't, I, I don't, can't, can't get through them." Let me just take a look. Really?
1: So you have an automated thing?
0: Yeah, because I, I, too many people were like, they get upset that I never reply. Um, but I'm just looking at this phone. Um, just SMS three hundred, three thousand six hundred forty-one missed uh, text messages, um, signals uh, about three thousand. Um, uh, even this phone. This phone, no one even has. And
1: There's still a lot.
0: My bat phone is already becoming a problem like that. My bat phone, which is meant to be the phone, and anyone that has it can reach me at all times so has 330 on-read messages right now. It's, 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 um, I gave up. I Like, I gave up on email uh, 15 years ago. Uh, I, I've given up on uh, text so, so. messages, you know, I, I, I couldn't keep up with my text messages going back a decade ago now and so now is, it's like i give up uh, so your
1: your assistants handle all the stuff
0: well it's if, if if you need to reach me and you need to yeah you need to find somebody that is near me uh uh or better yet get on a plane come to puerto rico come find me
1: yep uh, and how many last question i swear how many investments do you think you have like how many companies do you think you're invested in
0: well i i asked um i mean how many companies
1: Uh, yeah like like i your your web is huge we didn't even go into like michael Turp. just like your your network i see you on instagram and i haven't gone into your network but just trying to give people hundreds
0: hundreds i mean uh it's not thousands
1: it's in the hundreds hundreds and yeah well, I don't know. There's so much more I could ask you, Brock. Um, Brock Pierce on here. I appreciate you being on. If there's anything else you want, any message you want to send to the Benzinga audience um, or whoever else is hearing this in this world. I mean, you're an entrepreneur. You're a guy that gets things done. You're not talk. You're you're a doer. You're the ultimate, ultimate, ultimate doer. I mean, if there was an award for that, you would win it. The America's doer of the world. I mean, it's, it's crazy how much stuff you've done. Any last thing you want to add or people to know about you or anything?
0: Well, I mean, I, I, it's 2024, uh, certainly for any Americans, this is an election year. The future is going to happen to you or it's going to happen with you. Your participation is required if you want it to be the future you want. Uh, otherwise others are going to make that decision for you. Civic participation, you know, it's like get involved, be, be the, be the solution, be the change, you know, and, uh, And I'll go with like a Nike slogan, just do it.
1: I don't know how you do it, Brock Pierce, and all you've accomplished these years. And things, ups, downs, building, and everything around. Like the story you just told me about, you know, not starting a DeFi thing, and did you miss it? And then all of a sudden it all collapsed. And it's just really interesting hearing those stories and how you think about things. So I thank you for coming on the Raz Report. I've wanted this for a long time. Hope to meet you in person um, one of these days again. Thank weather, you again, Rutgers. The
0: weather is really good right now. So uh, would, I'm going to, would love to host you. And I'm, uh,
1: uh, I'm going to talk to my wife about February 18th. We're supposed to be in Naples like that later that week. Maybe we go to Puerto Rico for a few days first. That's, that's what I'm going to try to fight for right now.
0: I think that's a great idea.
1: Yes. All right. Awesome. Thanks again for coming on the Raz Report.
0: Thank you.